Hello, I'm hello, changing my my Wi-Fi. Okay, that's fine. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Coach's Corner, brought to you by the Endurance Lab, where the coaches from the lab recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. Today, we've got everybody's lovely faces above me here um, on the stream, um, and my name is Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, and I'm joined by Taya Friedstead up in the corner there. I've got Andrea Cullen next to her, Ian Murray, and then Mitch Dangerman, and myself, Jason Flores. Again, welcome. So hello everybody, how's it going? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Awesome. There we go, looks like we've got everything dialed in, lined up, and I just need to make sure we are shared out. We're recording on our phones. All right, we should be good. Um, but let me go ahead and get started. Um, my channel. Ah, uh, yes, we are live. Oh, excellent. Okay, so we'll get this all shared out to our uh, channels, but okay. All right, so we're going to start up with um, a little bit of a roundtable from our coaches today. Uh, we're going to take one of our coaches. If you notice, we actually have um, a total of five coaches. There's uh, Coach Ian with um, his proper ODZ shirt on. I like that. That's a nice, uh, is that our team shirt? It is. I've got, um, he had his it hat is. on earlier, but I've got my Team ODZ hat on. We've got a new gear going. But uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, get to know the coaches. Uh, so we've got a couple questions um, in queue, um, and I'm going to throw it to the coaches. And we are going to get to know um, Coach Ian Murray. Um, so let's go ahead and get at it. Um, I'll, I'll throw it over to the coaches while I get um, this all shared out to our viewers out there. So um, coaches, got some questions for Ian there? Sure. You yeah. want me to start? Yeah, let's let's get it started. So Ian, uh, first first question. Uh, all right, first question. What was your favorite or, or best sport that you did in college? I was a boxer in college. Whoa. So that's what I did. I like to punch people. It may surprise you to know this, but I I boxed in a rather low weight. <laughs> And did you win? I did. I was the Brigade Open champion. Uh, mm. And I was I got second one year, won the next year, and then hurt my shoulder in my senior year. But yeah, I, I did pretty well. Wow. That's really interesting. Yep. Was it co-ed boxing? It was not co-ed boxing. Not at the time. Back in the day, when men were men, <laughs> it was just guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrea, did you have one for uh, Coach Ian here? Yes. All right, next up. Oh gosh, a boring question. Your favorite, your favorite bike food. Normally, you're out on a long ride. Normally, it's pizza. Um, it's a little hard to carry that in the pockets, though. Uh, but actually, lately, I've gotten into the uh, the the uh, portables. Uh, when I rode out with Jason earlier this year, I got to actually test it out outdoors eating the portables and i like those a lot so the the blueberry chocolate chip rice cake portables my favorite for a yeah, long those, ride whoa those are good oh yeah. my gosh how many did we make mitch 40 50 at camp? we made we made it we made more than we made like 60 i think it was obnoxious oh they're so good yeah and actually i, I take them out snacks at work that's good and it's a good one yeah. What about um? Yeah. Uh, oh, I like this one. Uh, Ian's Ian's got some fun things that he likes to eat. Um, like after his uh, big races, that he does all the time. I like that. Uh, after I after a big race. Yeah. Shoot, yeah. after a big race, it's like ice cream, sushi, burgers, um, beer. What it's basically whatever I can get to with quick access, and uh, it's tasty. Yeah. So I don't actually have a a, a go to post race as much as I have a go to pre-race pre-race actually is pizza the night before a race really pizza chicken pizza mm. wow yeah no yeah okay. uh, we'll get either normally Domino's or uh you know Domino's. And, and this is not an endorsement of Domino's by any stretch it's just they have the, the thick dough pizza that i like and i'll get that <laughs> and i will usually house an entire one of those medium pizzas by myself in about 10 minutes to just force down the calories so in the morning i don't have to eat as much and my body's kind of stored up but it's, uh, it's actually quite funny because the first time I had my parents over when I was doing my pre-race prep, and I, it, it's how my friends do. It's when food comes, it's business time. It's like a race. I'm there to eat as fast as much as possible until my body says, no more. 
No mas. Because no if I mas. eat slow and talk, my time, all of a sudden I'm full and I have barely eaten anything. So yeah. Uh, Are you superstitious about it? Do you have to find that pizza place before the race? I don't have to, um, but it's like. So this happened back in year was it 2005 or 2006 2005 I think it was at a Gulf Coast 70 it was a now it's 70.3 but it was a Gulf Coast triathlon and I went to the the pasta dinner which is one of the reasons I don't go to pasta dinners anymore and it was just garbage it was cold it was crappy and I hadn't had a lot a lot of luck eating pasta before a race and so I went back to the hotel room and ordered a pizza and uh and I crushed it that day so then the next day so now it's just kind of like hey that works for my system yeah. That ain't broke. Exactly. Don't fix it. And it tastes good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask the next one then. Good. Something most people don't know about you, Ian. <laughs> Something most people don't know about me. Well, besides being devastatingly good looking, which now they all know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm trying to think because I'm, I'm fairly much, fairly an, an open book. But, um, hmm. Something most people don't know about me. That's a, that's a tough one, because, like I said, most people, if you ask, I'll tell you. I might just tell you if you don't ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I guess maybe most people don't know. I'm an officer in the Army, too, and I've got a little over 20 years in doing that. And uh, hopefully a few more left in me before I'm put out the pasture. <laughs> Is that what they do after? Normally they just take us out and shoot us, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're lucky Trying to use... put a pasture. That means we better yeah. pre-record some episodes here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but I guess actually the other thing is I've I've been on every continent except Antarctica. All right. I ain't going on there. <laughs> you should go there and run the marathon. Um, no. No, <laughs> I got a thing about penguins. Hmm. A bad thing. We could wrestle polar bears. They're in the north well, side, They're not in the Antarctic. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> All right. Favorite way, favorite way to, uh, to ride, to run or ride uphill or downhill? So most people think just because I like to tear it up on the uphills that I love the uphills, which I do. Um, I love making people hurt on the uphills, I but I really love bombing a downhill. So yes. outside of Zwift, on a real downhill, I love just putting it right on that line of stupid and crazy yep. and safe. You know, it's generally like a toe into stupid crazy town. and then Just like that video that you posted on the forum, the Endurance Lab forum? Yeah. No, that was actually fairly safe because I didn't know the bike. Yeah, I do remember. We'll get writing. that shared out so people yeah, can we'll, see it. We'll have to. We'll have to. I do remember <laughs> riding with Ian here, um, coming down. I, it was about a nine-mile stretch coming downhill, and I remember us being pretty separated. I ended up with a front flat, but I just remember Ian coming by like a big, huge puff of air, just tucked down, like he was like he folded himself within the triangle of where his sport his bottle was, and he just <laughs> stuck his hands out and was holding the bar, and that was pretty much that bike. It didn't look like anybody was on it. He just melded onto the bike. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's just for me, that's that's always been my, my favorite part is just, you know, getting up in the uphill and having people think, I'll catch him on the downhill because I'm, I weigh more, and then I get the as best line as I, as I can take and as fast as I can go and just say, yeah. have at it. And when I lived in Monterey, California, there was actually a group we'd ride with and we did a thing where we'd come down the hill coming off of Laguna Speak, uh, Seca Speedway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And where the other is. And it was who could go the furthest without having to pedal. Nice. Yeah, you know, coming down the hill. And so I would, yeah, I ended up being able to, to do very well in those competitions, even though I was about 20 or 30 pounds lighter than some of the other folks. Nice. Was that coming off the corkscrew then? Yeah, right? Fun. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, there is that spot. It was, part yeah. it was, it was featured in a Amgen tour, I think, this year, right? As Tom Skinch is, uh, came mm. off that, was yep. it should have been. Yeah. That's really fun in a car. <laughs> At 100 plus. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. What, do we, what else we've got? What else we've got as we get to know Ian here? We've got that. Um, mm. let's, let's, let's do one more. Let's do the last one. 
All right, sounds good. Go ahead. Yeah. Ian, so, your most embarrassing moment. Sorry, your most well, embarrassing there's moment. There's so many in the swim. On the oh, bike or run asking, or swim. Asking a triathlete embarrassing moments. Ugh. Yeah, so there's been so many on the swim. Normally, I would say it's just watching me swim is pretty embarrassing. Uh, but I will have to say my most embarrassing moment on the bike did not take place in a race. It was, I think I've told the story before about, you know, when you get used to you know, pedals that you clip into. I was riding back from, I was coming back from a ride. This is when I lived in Kentucky. And I was rolling past an area where there was a, uh, uh, a car wash. And it was, you know, a bunch of college age co-eds out there doing their car wash in their bikinis. And um, I, look, I'm a, I was a 26-year-old guy. I was like, sweet. Hey, look at me and my cool little cycling kit here. I'm, I'm looking good. What's up? And I roll up to the stop sign. And the girl's there with her son. And she starts talking to me like, the, hey, you should get your bike washed. And of course, I interact with her. But I for the stop sign, it's a slight uphill. So I'm thinking that I'm going to ha have some momentum. I did not. And I just fell over. Uh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not get a date that night. It was not like what you see in the movies where they feel bad for you. And then like, oh, come hang out with us. It was not. It was... It was more mean girls. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that yeah. Awesome. So that was, I would say, my most embarrassing moment on the All right. All right. So this is a little bit of a new section um, that we're going to be putting through um, as we do more of these. We actually have plenty of episodes, back episodes. If you're first time watching today, we are on episode 41, but we're trying to throw things a little bit off the cuff. This is a live stream, so everything that you see is not recorded, and what you hear is not edited. This is straight off the cuff. So we're going to jump into a couple other topics that we've got going here. I'm going to throw it to Taya, um, and we're going to be talking a little about seasons and kind of where we're at. So um, Taya, what have you got for us today? Well, if you are approaching the fall season, wherever you live, then it is very possible that most of your events of this season are behind you. If you had a lot of summer races and events that you did, and so you might be thinking to yourself, okay, what do I do next? You know, the fall season, it's not entirely the recovery, not recovery, but the season that you go into in the winter and take things a little bit down. Um, a lot of riders actually are doing cyclocross in the fall. And if you are one of those riders, then your training should be continuing with some intensity. Now, all of the weeks that you did in training leading up to those big events, A events in the summer or A event in the summer, uh, are not necessarily what you're gonna be doing between now and your fall events. Um, so the key is have a good balance so that you are baking in some recovery because pushing your body intensely for too many months in a row is going to result in injuries, overburn, and you can get uh, just fatigued overall and not able to recover properly, and you don't want that. So the key is to find that balance and continue to have the intensity that you need and tailor that to the events that you're gonna be doing. So are you gonna be doing cyclocross? You want punchy um, workouts with shorter intervals, but you want to have uh, your recovery there. Now, if you're not doing cyclocross, this is a perfect opportunity for you to, to reap the benefits of your hard work up until the summer months and use all that fitness that you have built in and go out and have fun. You know, perhaps you sign up for a gravel grinder that you haven't done before and go for, and we talked about, you know, doing something different. Last episode, we talked about taking risks and doing something different. So take that opportunity, and, and now also in the fall could be an opportunity for more social rides. You don't have to be so worried about uh, your results and outcome, but still really using all of the fitness that you have built and you're carrying with you. Um, Drop your so, friends. Yeah. Drop your friends. So in, like in, and in fact, you know, Coach Mitch posted uh, – a great event. It's a great example of, of an event now for the fall in Michigan. The uh, uh, It's the founders of Berry River Bay who are doing, I guess, a gravel fondo, right, Mitch, in Michigan? Yeah, same, same course as the Berry River Bay, which is a really popular Midwest uh, gravel race in the spring. Um, and it's being sponsored by um, a real great brewery. So if you're into beer, it's a good thing, too, because 
I assume there's beer at the end. Um, but yeah, they've got like three different distances, so it's got stuff for riders of all um, all um, you know capabilities. So yeah, I think there's probably a lot of those all, all around the country if you just look for them. Yeah, and you're all in nature. It's just it's, it's it tends to be relaxing. I mean, you can still work really hard, but just being in that environment is a nice change of scenery. Um, no pressure, right? So you enjoy a little bit more of that that aspect. So, uh, but then, you know, some writers also talk about losing motivation because, well, my events are now past me. You know, I'm not really motivated to be training hard. But if you listen to our podcasts and you train with us, uh, uh, you know that our focus is really on the process and uh, your goals or your um, what you're aiming for should really not be in outcomes. You know, I want to be number X in X race. You know, I want to get third or second or first. Sure, you, you want to, but that's a result. And there's so many variables out there. So much can happen in an event that is completely out of your control. But if you're focused on outcomes and you're enjoying your training, um, excuse me, process, and you're enjoying your training, then you got the good mindset and you're going to continue to be motivated to continue to train and and really you're you're watching your own achievements and uh, what you're getting better at each week each month and uh, that continues on that goes on indefinitely regardless of the weather outside yeah i think the the comments on the process i think are, are really key i mean we were talking before the show started that you know my season for a host of factors didn't go like I want, but really the process is something that you can focus on and and it keeps you keeps you motivated, it keeps you working and it, and it helps you go into next season as well. Uh, is it, and that you know that's something that's real important to look at. like I, I really enjoy being able to go out and and uh, when I'm on break from try and get in, in race uh, on Zwift and or go out and ride with my friends and have a good time and if it's if you're just sitting there focus 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 unless you're a pro athlete with a pretty good contract you're yeah. gonna burn out after a season or two yeah. uh, it's just it's just the way it is because no, no one's gonna sit there and do things that you just can't sustain or you, you can't focus on 100 percent if if that's not your career if that's not even even the pros if you read any of the pros books still that it's that from the training thing um, and you know, setting up your next year's calendar or doing whatever you want to do, but going out and having that good time, maybe just having that ride with your, your family and taking out the, if you have, um, Petri dishes, uh, I mean, children hooking them up to the bike and, and, and going out and riding with them, or, you know, doing the sprint finishes like that, where you don't really care about your training, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're still into it. So you're just, yeah. you gotta have fun. Yeah, you get that mental freshness back. Isn't it Mark Allen that talks a lot about the importance of that, where as well, when we're in our season, it's it's kind of selfish. It's all centered around ourselves. And he said it's just so important to make other the others in your family that support you the more important people for a while. And yeah, fun. And, and this, this is meant to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and if you look, you look at any, I'm sorry, if you look at any of the pros, uh, um, especially in the triathlon world, more so than the um, than than in the cycling world, but they they always have that one fun race that they're doing. That if, especially if they've if they've qualified for the world championships or whatever their their focus is, they almost always pick a race where they just go have a blast. I am getting some internet drops here. Sorry about that, folks. Um, we should have everyone back here in just a moment. Um, Close this down and see if that helps. All right. So it looks like we're back. Everybody got audio here? All right. So it looks like we're back. So any other comments here um, about kind of our main events and um, that sort of thing here as far as a season? And we can transition to our next topic, which is a little bit about kind of, you know, planning out seasons. Yeah, I think that's a good good next thing to touch on. That sounds good. Yeah, we'll go ahead and transition to that. And so um, I guess with with a kind of people talking about um, this end of the season, 
really the idea comes from, you know, what are you, what are you planning? And, uh, you know, maybe that's something that we could put out to um, the coaches as far as kind of our plans, but we can cover that on a different, on a different pod. But for today, just kind of a couple tips to get people thinking about what they should be um, kind of looking at, um, what should they be reviewing and that sort of thing. Um, so I know Ian's got a couple different um, ideas on that and kind of just some reminders as you look forward. And, and, and maybe next week we can kind of give some examples um, from our athletes and from ourselves. But today, just kind of some things you should think about between now and then about planning uh, for 2019 or for your next uh, your next season. Yeah. So once you once you finish up what you you hit your A goals, and most most of us are pretty much done with our our A goals for 2018. Um, some people have later races planned, but it, this is about now is when you need to start planning. One, a lot of these big races sell out, so you you have to sign up for them earlier. Um, two. You, you need to balance out your, your work-life family balance or work-life uh, training uh, going on. So maybe you go, okay, this year I kind of did a lot and we stayed here. Next year, let's go to a destination race. You know, so pick that one, that one A race because you can have two or three maybe during a year. But that one, let's say this is going to be our focus A race where we're going to go. We're going to race in Cozumel and then we're going to take a week off afterwards and stay in Cozumel as a family. Or maybe you're like, I really want to go to like train. In New Jersey, and I'm gonna go race Ironman 70.3 Atlantic City, and we're gonna go spend, you know, a week in Northern Jersey or something like that, or oh. Southern Jersey, wherever we want to go, or Delaware, um, you know, wherever you want to go. But you gotta pick that and build it into it. Um, if you're if you're Kona targeting, if you're Kona hunting, if you're trying to get discovered by a, a pro tour team, maybe you're gonna go do the Alto Es Challenge, uh, something like that. But Pick that one thing, whatever that thing that's going to interest you and your race supporters, also known as your family um, <laughs> or your employer, whatever you, you're, you're going with there, and, and start planning that out now because what allows you to build in your mental break and your physical break because you do have to have both of those. You have to have that time, like, like Taylor was talking about, having that fun, letting your legs come back around to being like normal people's uh, legs and getting rested up so you can start that long build into it without having to try and, and do a cram session. Apparently, training is not like studying. You can't cram. No. I, I was, I was un, <laughs> unaware of that until I – it didn't usually go that well. Uh, but anyway, so the, my point is you can plan all that out, but you can, then you give some predictability to your, your family and your friends. It says, okay, hey, for these next three months, I'll be social. I'll have fun. But then the next three months after that, I'll be a little less social. And the next two months after that, don't call me. Um, so you can you can kind of have have some predictability to the schedule. You can have uh, everyone can start figuring out where they can put what they want to do, and you can make it fit in. And you have to make it fit. Um, and then, like I said, most important, if you want to do a destination race, you start planning. You get your Airbnb, you get your hotel, you get your flights, you get everything lined up because logistically, a destination race is generally challenging unless you plan it with a travel racing tour company. Uh, you know, to pick you up, take you around. So. You're going to need to remember, I have a family of four. Normally, when we travel, we rent a compact car and we just pile into that. That's awesome, except for your bike may not fit in the compact car unless you put your children in the trunk or the roof. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying these are things you need to consider. Um, so you definitely want to take a look at all of these different factors. And doing it six, eight, ten months out gives you a lot more flexibility and a lot more time to mentally digest what you have to do. And more importantly, financially digest what you need to do. So I, I definitely think those are the things you need to start looking at. And right now is a perfect time to do that, especially if you're almost done with your A race or you've already finished it up. Try not to do it, though, like a week within a week of your A race because there's one of two things that can happen. Either you had a great race and so you, you, you bite off more than you can chew mm -hmm. or you had a really crappy race and you're looking like redemption or yeah. – um, or you just, or you down, you know, downplay what you can do. So take some time and think about it. Don't just jump into it and say, "Okay, we're gonna do," you know, the hedonism seventy point three. Just. <laughs> I have an interesting comment on that because I suppose this was my fourth year of triathlon, and I've started to note, I've started to notice a pattern that I peak really early. And then something crashes and burns me in July and August that I still don't understand. So now I'm thinking for next year, 
let's let's race March <laughs> and and May and then I know winter training sucks but I, I actually like winter training um so that was just another thing to throw into people out of people you know looking at when when your body seems to operate at its best based with the seasons or the, the different months that makes sense and the other thing is too if you are not necessarily the type of rider who does competitive events um you might be thinking about a camp. A lot of riders want to get out of the cold weather, let's say February or March, you know, that spring that never seems to come and go to do a camp. Even for a cycling camp, you need to be prepared for because you're gonna be putting out uh, quite a bit of miles and you might see the camp as something that will prepare you, which it will, but you also need to come to the camp able to do those rides. And all of that, you have to plan carefully so that you're not peaking so early, like Andrea said, and um, being tired come, you know, the, the, they call it the spring warriors. You know, they come in and they podium and all the events, but then after that, they don't have much left. So okay. hands are, are also a good time to plan right now because uh, usually those, uh, again, require quite a bit of planning and, and travel, et cetera. But likewise, yeah. you can plan two seasons. Then. Yes, you could plan two seasons, yes. Or three, if you're doing cyclocross, like we were saying. Yeah, your spring season, then you can plan to have both yeah. days of Irish summer um, off <laughs> and then train back for a fall event. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, so I think I think a lot of us just need to make sure that we take. you just take some time. A lot of times, um, riders take it as they come. Um, and what happens is, is that you just come up with all these essentially A rides, A races, and what ends up, uh, what ends up happening is you're just constantly trying to chase, chase your goals. Um, but laying these things out could definitely have a benefit to, um, to your year so that in fact, you have something that you're building towards, you have an, an event, you can reach out for help, um, from example, from coaches like us to get you all set up for it, where you have accountability, you have a group setting where you're doing training, um, that sort of thing. Um, we have a couple of examples of that um, as we reach into 2019, so we'll bring that on board as well. Um, but just something to think about. Um, as coaches, you know, we're all still forming up. A lot of us um, here, for example, in California, our season's not over till like November or December 31st, right. and we get a day off, and January 1st starts, and the crit season starts. So um, it really, it really matters. Uh, it depends on where you're at and what you're doing. Cyclocross kind of throws um, a wrench in there too. But if you're um, burning the candle kind of all year round, it could definitely uh, lead to some burnout. So it's something that we need to kind of watch out for. But really great topic. So we'll definitely circle back around. There were a couple of questions, kind of fun ones actually. Someone was asking about. Um, uh, the weight, uh, wanting to go back uh, to Ian's question, wanted to know what, what weight does Ian ride um, on Zwift? His real weight or lighter or heavier? <laughs> I, I generally actually ride my real weight. Um, I, uh, on a given, a given, during a given training phase, I'm somewhere between, um, all right, 132 to 140, depending on the, where I am. If I'm marathon training or something like that, I, I might go down to 128, but wow. I generally leave... Wow. I know, man. It's wow. a little heavy. Wow. I got it. Um, no, I, I generally try to keep it around 135, 136, walking around 134, somewhere around there. So I leave my, my Zwift more or less around uh, 135, right around there. And if I go up, I go down. I don't really change it too much. I, I take the, the penalty if I'm below it, and I take the benefit if I'm above it. But mostly it's because I'm lazy, and I'm just yeah. not going back into that menu screen to adjust my weight. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us. You're along with a lot of us. All right. That's running. So yeah. Right. Well, and the variation isn't that that large. I mean, it's not like you're gonna. It's ten pounds difference. You know. Uh, the people on Zwift they take that weight thing pretty seriously. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, you know, I'm when I'm racing for fake points in a fake race, um, for fake dollars, and <laughs> I, I use weight. Yeah. All right, shifting gears here. We've got a really interesting um, Training Peaks article that we came across, um, that came across our desk this week. Um, and I'm going to send it over to Andrea. Um, and it talks a, a little bit about kind of this part of the season and some things you could start to think about. So um, we'll throw it over there. And Andrea, tell us a little bit about what this article was and what we can kind of take from it. And we'll start a little bit of conversation there. Yeah, so... Kaya passed me on a very interesting article in Training Peaks, Are You Eating Enough? 
And so I sat down with my pen this morning. I didn't read the article first. I put my comment, my thoughts down, and then nice. I had to look at the article. So nice. my comment, my comments are slightly different to the article, and there's there's no point in rehashing the article. So right. if you go over to Training Peaks and their blog, it's called Are You Eating Enough? Okay. Now I think even ourselves just asking that one question, am I eating enough? We'll get an intuitive yes or no. And that's where we need to do the work. Um, but what did I come up with? So I guess there's markers. Sorry, I have my list. Um, is your morning body weight stable? Um, you should be staying more or less the same weight every day. Now, I don't recommend weighing yourself every day, but it's, it's a good idea to have, a, you know, it's good to have an idea of where you're at. Um, so unless you're aiming to gain weight or lose weight, which would, should never be more than about one to two pounds a week, um, it should stay more or less stable. Um, if you're getting a big spike up and big spikes down, um, that could be a sign that you're getting something wrong. And generally that's related to your carbohydrate intake relative to your activity levels. Now it could be a hydration thing as well. This is why it's it's good to have a bit of an open mind when you're looking at these numbers. Um, but things should stay pretty consistent. Um, um, how, how far mm -hmm. of, how far of a swing are you thinking? 10 pounds, five pounds, where you feel like things, you know, from a couple days change? Because obviously, you know, those those things that you talked about, hydration and, you know, carbohydrate in, intake, um, when should riders or listeners think about that that changes more than should be, you know, that feeling? I think a good marker is, are you the same every Monday or every Tuesday? Mm -hmm. um, if you tend to do big volume training at the weekend, mm -hmm. you can expect glycogen stores to drop down a bit. So you're, you're going to be a bit lighter. So if you're... You're, you have a big training weekend, maybe make Tuesday your weigh-in day so that you're hoping you're kind of there. Um, across the week, maybe spend a week or two just tracking yourself to get an idea. But it really should, if all of your training sessions during the week are more or less similar or similar, you know, when you clock out the TSS, I guess, might be interesting for that one. Um, you should be fairly stable and maybe seeing towards the end of the week, there might be a little bit of a drop. And then with your recovery day, you kind of flip back to where you were before. Um, a lot of people freak out when they get on the scales and they see a, a jump of maybe a couple of pounds, five pounds, um, mm -hmm. I suppose, I think in, in kilos. So it could be about a kilo um, or more. And, and that could just be related to glycogen storage up and down. Um, and usually you can kind of make sense of, of why. But if there's massive big jumps all around the shop, then I'd, I'd really have a look at what's going on. Um, and, and Andrea, then, let me interrupt yeah. you there for a second. For the glycogen stores that you're mentioning, for those of you not familiar with uh, with the weights associated with glycogen in the body, is that for each molecule of uh, glycogen or each gram of glycogen, you store water, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think double the amount of water in your body. So that's that's where that weight is coming from. And you, you'll actually show up if you have a body comp test as leaner when you are glycogen stored. Um, which is interesting. So that can change. That's why we should never really grab onto the numbers as the holy gospel because there's so many variables. Um, but, but good point. And also with women, hmm, we're a little bit all over the shop with the cycle. Um, so towards menstruation, you might see a bit of a weight gain. Don't worry about it. Um, but you find a pattern, you know, if you're, if you're yeah. doing, like you said, um, uh, kind of tracking it and seeing if it's stable, then you, you can clearly see those fluctuations and you have, you find a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Take that all of this in the context of your recovery quality. You know, if you're eating enough, you should feel good. You should feel good in your sessions. You should feel fresh. You should be recovering well. You shouldn't be complaining to your coach that you're not feeling good in a repeated basis. And this is where training peaks is fantastic because if you make a log in the metrics of how you feel, you'll start to notice patterns and your coach will notice patterns where you're just saying that recovery is poor. And then you start asking, well, why? Um, with eating uh, enough, you'll really notice the uh, yeah. if you're not eating enough. Sorry? I want to jump in there because you have a great yeah. point with the logging. So I recently had an athlete who did something really, I don't want to say dumb, but not something I would advise the night before. <laughs> and, they had, and, and the person had a great training day. And they're like, oh, I wonder if there's a correlation. I said, there's not a correlation. Do not put those two together. And, and shockingly, the next day, so it wasn't the day, the immediate morning after eating poorly, it was the following day, their training was crap. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so don't necessarily correlate. I went out binge drinking tonight, last night, and had a good run, or I went out and had seven chocolate cakes and then had a good workout to correlating because there is that lapse usually of what you ingest and how it's going to affect affect the body. Oh yeah. That and oh, kidding yeah. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, that. Yeah. Um, if you're not eating enough, um, and the coaches can jump here on this one, the sessions I would feel that it becomes more obvious in would be high intensity or power ones. Um, you just can't maintain it. You're not even doing it right. Um, would you feel? I, I think it can bleed over into everything. I mean, there was a time when I was doing um, some pretty strict uh, like intermittent fasting and and I was doing, I think, the OD's entry and about an hour <laughs> and 15 minutes into it, I just had to stop. I, I couldn't. I was I was just spent and uh, so I I mean I definitely a high intensity but even some of the low like longer volume things I think you can see the impact. Yeah, you, yeah. you're not going to be able to hit those numbers um, in a VO2 workout. And uh, yesterday I was leading the uh, race accelerations workout in the Zwift workout module, and one of the riders said, "Well, I'm fasting today," and I just thought to myself, <laughs> "Yeah." Woo not going to happen. It's going to be no. a rough one. It's going to be a rough yeah. one. You're definitely not going to hit the numbers. I think mentally, if someone is chronically overeating, they'll tend to shift more naturally towards doing a lot of endurance and steady state stuff because you can kind of coast your way through mm -hmm. um, on mind power, but there's just no way you're going to hit the power or intensity numbers, the, the quality sessions. And you're not getting anything back if you're not getting the doing the quality in your, in your sessions. Um, so that was one to watch out for. Um, having good energy throughout a session. So this, this relates more to the endurance sessions as well. You shouldn't be experiencing big lows in your blood sugar levels or your energy, your focus. That's what tends to go off a lot too. Or <laughs> people start dreaming of food. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're coming off your long bike session and you start planning your what you're going to eat when you get back. And, and that's when you fall off your bike. <laughs> so I might have done that once. <laughs> Um, so, you know, just, just make sure that, you know, you're getting enough if you're feeling good and strong during your session, your session isn't meant to be kicking your ass by the time you get home. Um, I suppose health, health is another one. You shouldn't be sick and you shouldn't be picking up injuries. Um, what we'll tend to notice if people aren't eating enough is thyroid hormones will start to go off. So you'll start to see a low T3 and a low free T4. Um, your sex hormones, so testosterone will start to drop, your estrogen will tend to drop, um, menstrual cycle problems or relative energy deficiency, which they talk about in the Training Peaks article, bone health, um, and immune markers um, will start to, to show skewways, so you'll start to get sick, um, and gastrointestinal issues. So health, if, if you're constantly not healthy, there's, there's something going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Running your blood tests. So making sure you have optimal numbers in your white blood cells, especially and your white blood cell count differential. So neutrophils, leukocytes, basophils, eosophenophils, but you'll notice it mostly in total white cell counts, leukocytes, and neutrophils, they'll start to drop down. Now, a little bit of a drop is normal in white cell function when you're training really, really hard. Um, so it's getting to know your, your pattern, but if they're dropping and you're getting sick, then you need to look at Again, are you eating enough and feeling your sessions? Um, you may notice as well what are called liver function tests, which are your ALT, AST, GGT. They relate to muscle damage as well. So these will start to elevate because you're not eating enough. You're creating more muscle damage, and that will show up in a blood test. Um, CRP is another one, which will show inflammation. So, so blood tests are helpful. Um, mood. Um, if you're just, if you're not motivated, um, if you're in bad form, if you're snappy, if you're off with your friends and family, you might not be eating enough. Um, yeah. you could say it's overtraining or that you're training hard, but there's kind of, a, they all link yeah, up I think together. It's all related. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, food. So your relationship to food, being slightly more obsessive with it, having cravings, binge eating, nighttime eating, um, Especially the nighttime eating, you'll find that people under eat, under eat, under eat, and then it gets to nighttime and they've lost all self control and they're overeating. And that pattern is generally because they're not they're not eating enough. <laughs> and then we it's all... bad quality at nighttime. We all smile because we've all done it, right? <laughs> 
I've never yeah. done that. I am 100% <laughs> disciplined all the time. Well, the the thing is too, I think, I don't know if, if you have experienced this, but and I've experienced this a couple of times, which is waking up in the middle of the night hungry. Yeah. Yes. And so losing sleep and, and you're with light mm. sleep and you just feel kind of that emptiness in the stomach and you think to yourself, I can't get up and go have food now in the middle of the night, you know? But um, this this is also something that you might think to yourself, and, and I ate well during the day, okay, when that happened. So it's not like I wasn't eating well, but probably not eating enough. Yeah. Um, and one thing that is helpful for athletes who are training hard, if you're having a hard week, is having some protein before mm-hmm. you go to bed. So a protein shake, let's say whey protein, if you if you mm-hmm. if you take that. Um, 20 grams, I guess, Andrea, would you say before bedtime and, um, or around bedtime, uh, yeah. to help with the recovery as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very active athletes shouldn't, could, could get away with, or may even need like an early dinner and a later dinner or a snack before bed. Um, but it's, it's common in women more common than I thought where you see this waking at night hungry or even going down and having snacks in the middle of the night. And, it's not that there's a sleep disorder. They're just not eating enough during the day and the body is, it's going to scream. Yeah. Um, so catching that. And then of course, for a lot of people that might like to control things, they don't feel so good about it in the morning. So then this yeah. cycle of under eating during the day, and then it starts to get a big mess. Um, so just watching that and trying to correct that pattern. Um, what other things will we notice? Um, we a, a pattern couple. of using... Oh, no, yeah. go ahead. Uh, well, we had a couple comments here, and um, I could try to kind of bring them in. Um, uh, John Mora had a couple comments about using calipers versus um, a scale from earlier of our conversation. Do you feel that something like that versus an actual weight getting metrics is any more useful, or <clears throat> you feel it's kind of the, some of the same same realm? If I was to get a good bio, um, body comp done, I would get a, a dual phase frequency bioelectrical impedance or a DEXA okay. scan or a bod pod. Um, the scales that you stand on, the problem with yeah. those is often the current isn't going everywhere. Um, the skin calipers are great. They're doing surface surface body fat right. more so. But, but yeah. what's important is the trends. And, and also, like when we look in the mirror, we <laughs> that's honest. <laughs> at the same time as well. But BIA, dual phase BIA is what I use in the clinic because it gives you really good information on hydration markers as well in the cell, outside of the cell, cellular membrane health. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. handy if you have access to it. Nice. It does look like we've got a lot um, to cover on this and there's looks like there's a couple questions. We're going to try to circle back. We have a couple other topics that we'd like to cover today, but if we need to bring this back for a second time, I think it would be um, really useful. Um, So Really quickly, um, I'll get back to our notes here. We've got a couple things we want to talk about about this week in the lab for our riders who are riding um, our Zwift Academy um, Booster Lab as well as our Execution Lab. So let me throw it over to Taya for some of those, um, and then we'll kind of see if we can circle back. We do have a listener challenge for those of you that listen to us every week. We have one of those here um, we're going to introduce today at the end of the podcast. So Taya, what are the skills that our lab riders are, um, are working on this week? So this week has was a recovery week for everyone. We worked on mixed pedaling drills. We did low cadence, high cadence, and single-legged pedaling. Uh, we did a uh, VO2, 20, 40, and cadence work. So this, this was a workout challenging you to change cadences very, very quickly, and uh, also doing high cadence in there to uh, work on their neuromuscular connections for efficiency on the bike. And we uh, close it up with a uh, sweet spot and threshold variation workout just to keep those systems going, uh, but without overtaxing the body because it is a recovery week. And we had a request for a bit of, um, if we could bring in, when we talk about the workouts that we did, a little bit of science in the background on those. We have actually covered quite a bit on the um, science behind high cadence, why we do it. Uh, the fact that your muscles get coact, the coactivation in the muscles and how long they can work against themselves and therefore working on the, the right firing patterns through high cadence and other neuromuscular issue, uh, drills that we do in the lab will help with the efficiency and stop the muscles from fighting themselves. 
Um, so we can look back at a couple of episodes back when we covered that. But what I'll bring in today is something interesting. I came across a research from the Journal of Applied Biomechanics um, that that um, compared indoor versus outdoor efficiency in cyclists. And it measured gross, gross efficiency and cycling economy uh, between indoor and outdoor. So indoor on the trainer, the ones that we typically use when we're in Zwift and outdoors. And they came up with quite a difference. So the, the results were that economy was lower, about 10% lower indoors versus outdoors. So the preferred uh, cadence was also higher indoors versus outdoors. And the data suggests that simulated cycling using um, trainers is different from actual cycling in the field. Now, intuitively, we kind of know that, right? We know that when we're outside, we have other things, you know, we have the, the bike movement, our body positioning. We intuitively know it's different, but these tests show that um, the most important result here was that, for example, in uphill cycling, indoor versus outdoors, the same cyclists that did the test indoors were able to produce 10 to 12% more power outdoors in uphills uh, compared to indoors. The other one that was very interesting with the same um, VO2 consumption used in, in the lab, the cyclists could generate higher power output, close to 10% more in the field compared to indoors. So higher VO2 as well outdoors. And, and as we talked about before, VO2 max is not the size of your lungs, right? Is the capacity that your body has to use oxygen and deliver that to the muscles and, and translate that into power. So 10 to 10%, 10 to 12% difference uh, between indoors and out is, is big. So that to me tells me two things. When you're going to test, try to test outdoors. You're yeah. gonna do an FTP test, you're gonna do a five minute test, a one minute, whatever it is, try to do it outdoors. Um, the other thing that this tells me is a lot of the studies that we read about are done indoors yeah. with, with cyclists indoors. So a lot exactly. of those metrics that we're looking at, a lot of the results are based on indoor cycling versus outdoors. So just something to keep in mind and uh, I guess something uh, interesting for you guys. Did they have um? Did they have a cause behind this? I mean, I I get the, I get the results, but why is it so much lower indoors than outdoors? It has to do. So the efficiency has to do with body movement. It has to and body temperature. So body right. movement in terms of you're able to better position your body and mm -hmm. your bike. Standing yep. is an example, right? When you're outside versus that rigid indoor trainer. Um, body position, the other one, again, keeping your body cool. So indoors, even if you have fans on you, yep. that's different than being outdoors. You're evaporating um, that sweat faster, you're cooling faster, and that yeah. alone, we also talked about this before, can translate into a difference in power of, you know, I think 80%, 80, over 80% of your body's energy is wasted, not wasted, but used to cool yourself. Uh, so then if, you don't, if you're not using that much to cool yourself because you're outdoors, then you're using for producing power. So uh, those, I guess, were the, the two main ones. Yeah, I think intuitively, I think Ian and I can both test, and probably Andrea as well, is, is position indoors. Um, I can ride in the uh, aero position on my time trial bike outdoors much more comfortably and much more longer than indoors. Um, and also, I mean, I think we all know on our road bike indoors, we all feel a lot better outdoors than indoors. I just don't think we think of it, how it impacts our power and our efficiency. Yeah. And the the this actually is a good segue into a listener challenging of the challenge of the week that we would like to throw out there uh, for you all. Not only if you're in the lab training with us, but outside as well. The challenge for you this week is to practice something outside that you do inside, and the idea is standing. So we do a lot of intervals standing on the bike. Try doing those outside. When you go outside this week, it doesn't have to be in a workout. It can be in whatever group ride you're doing or whatever ride that you're doing. Incorporate in a couple of standing efforts and, and use the same numbers that you used indoors in a workout for standing and see how that goes, see how that feels, um, and let us know in the forum. You can always just take off your saddle, and that will help facilitate <laughs> Yeah. It's an option. 
Especially if you're having saddle problems, just get rid of it. I've got a question about the hill. But if you see the hill in front of you, like for me, it's personal. I love climbing up hills. Mm-hmm. And you just want to you want to get up it and you want to beat it. Whereas if you're inside on a trainer, you're it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, if the hill is super steep too, right? You're afraid of falling over. So you yeah. got to go hard and fast. But wait, don't all of our listeners have kickers with kicker climbs and like 10 fans around them in their indoor I setup? I actually have that, uh, <laughs> I have that, that indoor cycling treadmill in my basement where it, you know, it's like, like I'm actually it. riding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So some really great science behind these workouts. Um, and we've got a, actually a couple good questions as well um, about that testing outdoors. I mean, obviously, one minute, five minute. Um, a lot of times you can find um, roads to do that. Um, ben Gove asks, and thanks for um, joining in here onto the conversation, is what about an FTP test or things like that with inconsistencies on the road, um, traffic, terrain, and that sort of thing? Um, what, what, what do we feel as far as um, doing that sort? I mean, obviously our, our, um, our output, our outlook on FTP tests um, are a little bit more kind of skewed with what, how we use it. Um, but if someone were to look for like a 20 minute test, what, what do uh, we recommend for riders? I think you shouldn't worry about the terrain because terrain is what you're going to encounter every single time. And you're going to have that. And you want to be realistic. You want to have a result that is realistic to what you're going to be doing outside. Right. If you want to have everything, no, there's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the the one thing on consistency in in testing is if you find a good stretch of road that you do the test on, then use that same one next time. So the consistency there is the consistency of the conditions of your testing, uh, not necessarily flat. Right. Uh, so go out and find a good stretch of road. What you don't want is the traffic lights. That's going right. to be a problem because it's, yeah, if you can find, if you cannot find a 20 minute stretch, you find a 10 minute, you know, turn around right. um, or 12 minute and turn around and do it. But I would totally do it outside and yeah. uh, and the terrain you 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 the, we even on our workouts a lot of times we tell our riders go do your workout outside yeah or if you do it inside in Zwift just use the terrain to to do the workout because that's what you're going to encounter outside too Right. So I heard actually the, the the night train opened up his uh, house and volunteered for us all to come out there and we could ride Diablo for FTP tests. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Hey, Slides, yeah. you know, slight. Speaking of that, slight incline. Yeah. Is is usually good if you can pick a terrain. If you can pick yeah. it, um, yeah. having a little bit of an incline steady uh, is a good one. Uh, one thing to remember: the night train house starts and wakes up at 03:30, so we would all need to start at 03:30 to get started on our FTP test at the night train house. So. Which means waking up at 2.30 to fuel properly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, a, another question from Ben Gove um, is, uh, we'll, we'll probably bring this back for Andrea, is um, what's, what do we feel is the best for weight loss um, for training in the morning versus training at night? So we'll, we'll put that in the queue, Ben, and we can kind of bring that for conversation. Um, a couple other comments. Um, Andy does like Andy Jenner does like the sound of two dinners, but he also dreams about Ian and not about food when he wakes up in the middle of the night. So <laughs> questionable comments there. Back to the devastating, really good looking. Surprisingly, surprisingly, Andy actually had a good question um, about testing outdoors. Would it would it make indoors too hard? You know, talking about the different efficiencies. And and on that one, I would say no. It, it, initially, maybe. Um, it, your your increased testing results, so to speak, or if that's what you want to call it, in outdoors may make it initially too hard. But that's what training's about. It's about adding stress to the body and adapting to that stress. Mm-hmm. So if if you're testing outdoors at a two eighty five FTP, well, your indoor FTP is probably not two fifty. It's probably a little bit a little bit lower than two eighty five. We're talking two seventy five, two eighty maybe. So really, what you're looking at is you're going to be hitting the bottom end of your target zone for your training at first, and then you're going to keep trying to get in there. And as we always talk about, don't worry about hitting the stars if you're doing it on an indoor workout. Um, just try and get inside that range and, and hit it as best as possible. If you need to bias down, you bias down, and eventually you'll be able to hit that. So then when you go back outside, you bump be bumped up just a little bit more. Right. That number is 
is a tool and a resource, but it's it really doesn't define who you are as a person. So don't don't oh, be too does. worried about that. It does. You don't uh, you don't have yours tattooed on your back shoulder. <laughs> your I have a lot of cars because I had to update it so often. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just get tattooed. Awesome. All right. Looks like Stefan just uh, tuned in. Good morning, Stefan, from all your coaches here. Um, we do have one more thing. Um, we wanted to bring in the Lab Red of the Week. So every week we like to highlight, or when we can, um, outstanding performances by our um, our riders in the Endurance Lab. Um, so, Taya, who is our Lab Red of the Week? So, Dean. Dean Telson is our Lab Red of the Week the week and uh of the last weeks really um not just just the past week dean has been doing our labs for uh, many many months now and uh unfortunately he is ill recovering uh, but he is the lab rat of the week because of his attitude he has such a positive outlook and he keeps things in perspective knowing that he can take the time to recover do things that are low-key go surfing uh, maybe yeah, even yeah. get a new board. Who knows? Um, and uh, and he knows he can trust the uh, his training and his body that he will over time come back and uh, and pick it back up. So just he's been a great contributor also to the forum. If you're not familiar with the forum, head over to discuss.endurancelab.fit. We have a lot of great topics out there. So yeah, Ding. So thanks for that and kudos for that great attitude. Yeah. I Absolutely. He's had a great attitude as well as some really great results this year um, in um, in his world of uh, TT world and all of the races that he has done this year. So really great a year that he's had so far. So awesome to that. All right. So we've got a lot of couple, uh, a lot of good things um, coming in. We've got a lot of interaction here on the forum and um, excuse me, on the live stream. And so if there are some other questions, we can go back and bring those back around. This is all new and um, kind of changing for us, but thanks for joining in today. Um, we've got a couple things that we'll bring back, but we had a really great conversation about, um, you know, we've got a round table that we learned a little bit more about um, Coach Ian there. Uh, we were happy he was able to join us and that he put a shirt on this morning for the, the live cast. Um, we've got- We uh, the servers. Yeah, yeah, I'm already having trouble with connection enough. So, um, and then, you know, we got a little bit into our conversation with, um, you know, planning for our 2019 and we'll expand on that um, as well. And just talking about as your main events kind of start to wind down what you should be looking at doing. Um, and we had a really lively conversation about a Training Peaks article that we got about as far as how to fuel. And it looks like it sparked a couple conversations in the live forum as well. So we'll definitely see, um, bring that back next week and we'll talk a little bit more. And don't forget, listener challenge, um, practice standing outside, use your body positioning, look at your speed, bike movement on hills and on flats, look at all those areas and see if you can um, give that a go and let us know um, ab about that. So um, I am going to close this out. I want to be respectful for the coach's time as well as our listener's time, but I want to thank everybody who joined us both on the Facebook Live as well as on YouTube. I want to thank you for joining us today here in the Coach's Corner. But if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from us at the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the Endurance Lab or head to YouTube and do the same. And don't forget to click subscribe. And for more information on when the next lab is or more information about the Endurance Lab, head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and join us to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week.